So it's a interesting uh, week, and I'm trying to give everybody just in and this uh, should we say gathering together. I want to help you uh, understand the history, right? The history of Easter and Passover. Uh, if you look at your screen, I put some up, right? Right. Uh, you can see Vatya saying to me, right? Chag, Pisak, Semach, which is basically the proper. You actually reverse them. I'm, 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 I'm very impressed with the people that know that. What we're going to be talking about today is uh, on the holiday times, I love to give people a, should we say, history of what's going on for that particular holiday. And this is the history of Passover and Easter. I'm going to do kind of a review. Um, if you were greeting me again, like I said, you would, uh, Pesach, which is uh, Passover, Passover and Easter. How did they merge together? Where did they come? They're actually uh, crossing over each other exactly on this unique day in history. Uh, to a Jewish person, uh, you would see that if you were looking at your screen, uh, Pesach would, would uh, which is sound, would you say more like Pesach? Would looks like uh, Pesach if you said it in Texas, right? What is Pesach? And as you you, you can see on your screen, Chag Samech, right? Chag Samech, but you actually say Chak Samech. You got to get that going on in the back of your throat. Anyway, folks, I'm going to give you a history. Thank you so very much. I'm going to give you a history. Um, it goes back to my days, like Jill knows. Many, many of you knew my series called The History Heretic, uh, that I would do all of this. And this is just a good time to understand uh, our history, uh, where we come from, what we've gone through, etc. And I love to do it from a, uh, as a standpoint of looking back, because history is repeating itself. And you have to understand, you know, if, if, if we want to look forward, we actually have to look backward to understand it. And looking backwards, the key, we've been here before. Uh, we've done this before. And our country, in many ways, seems to be in trouble. You can find peace in the fact that we've been here before, we've dealt with evil before throughout history, and literally, uh, we'll do it again. We've got this. And so I want to take you on a history lesson that I'm hoping you will uh, enjoy. That's the main thing. I'm just hoping you will uh, enjoy this history lesson. By the way, if you're on any feed, somebody's saying no feed on uh, the Facebook feed, just hit refresh. It's very easy. Just hit refresh. Sometimes it happens. Uh, but let's uh, talk about this history of Easter. By the way, I'm going to probably end up doing this in a series. There's just so much to cover. And I find that people are truly fascinated with the history of where all of this comes from. That I may end up, uh, I will uh, 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 I will do this evening, I will do, we're going to talk about the Council of Nicene, um, how a lot of this all came about, how the Bible was canonized, etc. Strictly from a history lesson, and when you understand that history lesson, you understand what we're going through today. Ironic, but you will understand what we're going through today in a history 
lesson. And so this evening, I'm going to uh, do that. Uh, there was possibly no locals tag. I'm sorry, just because I forgot to send the locals tag. My fault. Um, but that was my fault. They're, they're not block blocking me or anything like that. It was just my fault getting ready for the broadcast this morning. And so in these history lessons, you're going to find eerily that you're going to go, wow, that's what they're doing now. And, and there was not a tag from Facebook because I didn't tag on Facebook. There's times I won't tag. Let me tell you why. There's times I don't tag. By the way, if you've never watched me before, I'm normally doing my radio program. And so you see me kind of going back and forth and back and forth and doing whatever. It's because we're controlling all the consoles that I, as I do the radio feed. I'm, I'm not doing my radio feed this morning because I think this is such an important topic. Letting them run a rerun um, because I want to be able to uh, engage in a broader discussion with you. And when I'm doing radio, man, I have to hit that time clock no matter what. Right. And so this one will be a little bit uh, different than than the normal one you see. Uh, I do ask if you have family and friends that would be interested in this topic, do me a favor, share the program and make sure you're following me. You know, you can watch me on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter, Rumble, Telegram, Gitter, etc. Uh, and another reason why sometimes I don't tag the show is, uh, you know, uh, you got to kind of remember yourself when I go on the air, don't you think? Right. Uh, that would be good if you could remember the times because the times are easy. I come on at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, seven days a week. It's real easy. Lucky. Seven, seven, seven. We're all lucky that we can gather together. Now, please share this if you would hit that rumble sign. If you've heard that term, rumble sign means nothing more than that little plus sign right there under the video window uh, that you're watching. But I record this 7 a.m., 7 p.m., seven days a week, Central Standard Time, every single day. Normally, I'm doing my radio show, 93.3. It's FM Talk Radio, and you can listen to Cut the Crap. And when I uh, say Cut the Crap, you may be shocked when you have somebody, their program's called Crap, but it stands for Culture, Race, and American Politics. Do not think that this is a topic that is not today about culture, race, and American politics. It's 100% about culture, race, and ancient politics today. And that's how it always matches. Okay, so share this. Let's get going. I'm going to uh, try to methodically do it. I can't cover everything. You might want to tune in, tune in for this evening's program as well. But most people are thinking, oh, great, we're going to have a holiday. We're going to stuff ourselves. I'm going to eat as many deviled eggs as I can. I love deviled eggs. You guys love deviled eggs? I, I, and I haven't eaten eggs in a while. But do you uh, like double, uh, deviled eggs, right? Did you know that uh, boiled eggs is a... Jewish tradition? Did you know that's the original take with you to uh, lunch, to work? Lunch, boiled eggs. It is a decidedly Jewish thing, right? And most people have no idea about that. It's also why Jews were significant in the business of cutting gemstones. Most people didn't know that. That's why the Jewish tradition of gemstones and Antwerp and everything else. 
because in Jewish society and the persecution in Jewish society, being slaves and everything else, was the fact that there were times just basically you had to haul ass, right? And when you haul ass, you want to take your possessions with you. And in fact, jewels, being small, being easy, you could take with you, right? And so you're going to want to tune in this evening. Peggy's got it right. Yes, I'm thinking the Council of Nicaea was a uh, visible power plays of the call just like today. And it goes back a thousand years. Yes, it goes back uh, 2,000 years almost to be exactly. Just 50 years short of 2,000 years when some of that started, right? And so uh, let's talk about Easter. So Easter in Jewish tradition is Pesach is the easiest way you say it. If you were looking at it in writing, it'd be Pesach if you enunciated it in Texan. Uh, Easter is also called Resurrection Sunday. It's a Christian festival, cultural, commemorating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, as described in the Old Testament, having occurred on the third day of his burial following the crucifixion by the Romans at Calvary in 30 AD. Now, there are connections and similarities, right? Uh, first, let's just discuss, uh, you know, where is the origins of how did Easter become Passover and how did Passover become Easter, right? How did how did they uh, merge together? Okay, uh, I should have pulled it up first, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a picture. Hang on, uh, and. I apologize for not having this ready, but that's the good thing about not being on, on, on radio at the moment, that I can do this, and it's uh, extremely important that you see it. Hang on. Let me pull it up on my screen. I've got to shrink it down. Oh, wrong way. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. Here you go. By the way, uh, this is not in the Dan Brown sense or anything like that at all. Not at all, Right. This is just a uh, lesson to help you understand. Because I think if you have a, dip, a, a deeper lesson of where we all come from, what we've all been through, then you understand some of the things that we have to deal with in today's society, okay? Um, so let's look at, and I hear people saying, you know, maybe one day we'll, if when we have access to the Vatican vaults, we'll know stuff. There's a tremendous amount you can't access, especially as a writer or a researcher, you can get uh, access uh, to it, right? You can get access to it. So you're looking at this photo and all of you have seen it. And uh, it's not, you know, uh, difficult to recognize it. But this is uh, the Last Supper, as most of you know it, right? Here it is. So let's look at this Last Supper and kind of, kind of, kind of help you understand how these things merged and what, what happened. And so we're looking at Jesus sitting in the center table there, and he has uh, his apostles. So the first question for everybody to understand where a lot of this comes from is, when you look at the Last Supper, what was Jesus's religion. Do you know? Most people have no idea, but what was Jesus's religion? And you're looking at the Last Supper, 
obviously, and et cetera. So what you need to understand is uh, most people know it, that Jesus was in fact a Jew. Okay. Now, what was, now he was in a sect, that's correct. He was in the Essene sect, but he was in fact a Jew. He was Jewish. Now, when you look at the apostles, okay, what were their religions? Okay, what was their religion? Okay, now, Ben's interestingly make a comment, Jews don't believe that Jesus rose as Christians do. Jews celebrate the Passover instead. These two events are not the same. You are correct, Ben, and that's why we're going to kind of discuss them, but I'm going to give you all the idiosyncrasies of them uh, because it will help. So what were the apostles? What was, in fact, their religion? Uh, most of you are right. They were Jewish, but now there's a difference, okay? They were Jewish, okay? But there was a difference in these apostles then. Most. These apostles did, in fact, believe that Christ, Jesus the Christ, some people think it's Jesus Christ, meaning like his name, Jesus the Christ was, in fact, the Messiah. The Messiah definition is the one who would bring the one true God of, you know, Isaac, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the world, which he did, okay? And so these were Jews who followed Jesus, which in literal, literal sense, so you understand what that means, uh, it means basically the people you're looking at here are, in fact, Messianic Jews. And so that's a, a very important uh, distinction that you need to understand. They were Messianic Jews. Now, some people add a word to it, like completed slash Messianic Jews, and there is a difference in that. Those are two different things but they were, in fact, Messianic Jews. And so let's just do some quick connective tissue so you understand. Um, Pesach is probably one of the longest-lasting uh, festivals and traditions there are, right? And it goes back to the time of celebrating when Moses led the Hebrews out of captivity. And the Jewish... Uh, sense and 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 it's it's a much longer celebration than what you have in the uh christian sense and it's probably from from an easter standpoint it's probably considered the most important and the oldest festival it is a festival of the christian church it celebrates the resurrection of christ uh which is held in the western christian church which is uh, somewhere between the 21st of March and the 25th of April, or the first Sunday after the full moon following the Northern Spring Equinox, which is very important. And the Jewish holiday, it's fixed, you know, and to the 14th moon, etc. Okay. And so Easter is a Christian celebration of the resurrection of Christ, which is said to have occurred three days after uh, uh, Seder, Seder uh, the last meal, the last supper, right? And that's the connection. Uh, to the two between Passover and Easter, okay. That and and in in history it says that the the meal took place on a Thursday, which is why you have this on a uh, Sunday. So here's here's some of the crossover bits before we're going to get into this and we start peeling it apart. 
Um, in both cases, when you look at it, the Jewish Passover, Pesach, and you look at the Christian Easter, here are the commonalities they have, that both uh, was a symbol of bloodshed uh, for salvation in both cases. This is not a uh, church sermon. This is a history lesson, right? That's it. This is a history lesson. And I'll give you an example, like Mazir, we're not listening to this boring. You're right. Bye-bye. Don't listen. Or you're lying. Or you're an idiot. Or, or you're actually listening and you might learn something. And so <laughs> history determines your life. And when you understand that, right, when you understand that, you will understand what's going on in politics right now that all of these kids that play games and eat Cheetos in their mommy's basement and they can't figure out why they have no opportunity in life and they can't figure out why uh, government is so bad or why you're horrible if you don't use my proper pronouns, right? <laughs> you will understand why you sit in your mom's basement and just eat Cheetos thinking your life has no prospects. And the way you understand it is because we have all been here. The person that says, I'm not listening to this crap, this is crap, has now commented 11 times. Lie much? Anyway, let's continue on. <laughs> so if you look at the two, if you look at Passover... And you look at Easter, both of them uh, have blood and, and the common thing is salvation. Think of the word salvation as uh, healing and helping a people, uh, not in the you're not going to be saved kind of thing. You just have to understand that in both cases, God used people, used an individual, right? God used an individual, right? Just like Mezer, an individual, God puts you here to learn something. That is so fantastic. I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're the chosen one. I'm not confused. I'm not confused. You may be the chosen one. I'm so happy to have you here. Anyway, God works in mysterious ways when he does this. But basically what happens is an individual was chosen to liberate people. In the case of uh, Pesach, Passover, right? It uh, was Moses. In the case of what you're in the Christian sense, um, Easter, you're talking Jesus. In both cases, it's about how God loves his people. It's just a sign for it. Both Pass Passover and Easter are annual feast. In both cases, sacrifices and offerings were being made. In both cases, uh, participants remember suffering and victory. That's the key. There's always suffering. But with all this suffering is going to become victory, which is what you have to stand. Again, not a Bible sermon. This is a history lesson. You got to understand this. You got a history lesson and you kind of have to all understand and, and study both sides, which is what kind of rocks your world when you uh, understand it. Right. Totally rocks your world when you understand what happened, um, et cetera. So uh, <laughs> and in both incidents, historical events, which form the basis of beliefs and practice. This is key. They form the basis of beliefs and practice in uh, both. Judaism and Christianity. So how in the hell did we get Easter eggs? And you're right, Stacey, victory is needed right now. That's what we're talking about, okay? And how in the hell did we get Easter eggs and Easter freaking bunnies for this incredible 
uh, event that is literally on a fixed day, right? On a fixed day uh, in all of our lives, right? How did, how did it all happen and how do we uh, get this? And so I'm going to take you back and I'm going to take you about uh, Estore. Uh, and, and so you understand, uh, of course, it's, it's just extremely odd that I am a German Jew, but it all goes back to uh, Estore, or you would call it Esoter, or Esteri, or Asotri, uh, if you were saying it in Texan. And she's the spring goddess of fertility. Uh, think of her as the bouncy, uh, bubbly girl, right? And that's uh, Esoteri, right? And so she was the Germanic, uh, we'll just say uh, Anglo-Saxon, easy way to do it, that was a popular goddess that just basically signified spring, right? And this is why people wonder, uh, what do eggs and bunnies have to do with the crucifixion and the resurrection? And the answer is, not a damn thing. And you're right, not a damn thing. Bunnies and colored eggs and how they relate to the crucifixion and or the resurrection have nothing at all, zero at all, to really do with the holiday, right? Now, Jan in Texas is saying what's right. I've always been confused that Jesus was a Jew, yet most Jews don't believe he was the Messiah. You got to understand how, what these terms mean. You really have to understand what these terms mean. And that's why I'm going through this. Because if you don't understand the terms, you don't understand history. If you don't understand history, you can see how one word, which is why I'm doing this, one word can divide a people. One word. Now, in this case, this word, right, is Messiah. And most people do not know what the definition of a Messiah is. And part of what I'll cover tonight, when the definition was rewritten, right? Re. Written, written. Uh, also, uh, like Pam, a lot of misconceptions. Are not the Jews still waiting for the Savior? There you go. Uh, again, part of what I'm going to explain this evening. So this is the origins of what happened. There was a fellow by the name of St. Bede, right? B-E-D-E, -E, very simple. And he wrote about festivals in, should we say, ancient uh, Germania. And he mentioned her. Uh, in connection with the pagan festival of uh, Estomuros, right, which is basically uh, the whole festival. He wrote, it, wrote about it in a book in 750 A.D. Connect the dates, folks, right? You're talking about 670 years after the crucifixion, basically, okay? And so rabbit and hares and rabbit gods or what, whatever all have a way 
uh, working their way in pagan mythology, but it has absolutely nothing to do, nothing to do, right, um, with Easter or Passover. Now, Peggy, you're right. Many say Messiah is the anointed one, the smeared one. Every king was anointed, and every high priest was anointed. Most people have conflicts with this, but Jesus, in fact, and you have it in the Bible, was a rabbi. But still not the definition of how it's used, right? Still not the definition of how it's used. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into it. because it's, it's truly fascinating when you understand what all happened to us. Because here's what happened. A interesting convergence happened so far back in time, 2,350 years ago. I think I'm doing my math right. Wait, is that right? No, no, no. 1,750 years ago. 1,650 years ago. Very sorry. That happened that all of this started mashing together. And what I want to do is I want to unpack that mashing for you because it is eerily similar to exactly what is going on in our society today. And if you understand, we'll just make it easy, 2,000 years ago, we were even dealing with the same issue which was man-created, 100% man-created, then you will understand we've been here before, we've fought this before, they've tried it before, and humans always prevail. Always prevail. When we get back, now I can get a little deeper into it. I'll kind of give you the prep. It'll be an interesting ride. Hang tight. See, I told you learning how to tell the world to cut the crap would make you feel great. There's more to come. Jovan will be right back. The morning after the 3 November 2020 presidential election, Americans woke up to the stark reality that our great nation was under a new type of attack. This attack didn't come with mortars or bullets, but was an assault on our sacred election process. Since then, Americans everywhere have had to ask themselves if they really believe that our election was true and fair. We are in a time of large-scale government corruption, and many have lost faith in our institutions. That's why we formed the America Project for you and for the nation. The America Project was formed by a group of fellow patriots who are building the most pro-freedom and pro-America network ever known. The America Project will connect you with organizations, churches, small businesses, and individuals to help you win for America. The America Project is about actions and results. Join our team today. God bless you and God bless America. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. Well, during these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my standard size MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. 
Or you can get custom fit with my premium queen size my pillows, regularly $79.98, now just $29.98. Or my king size, regular $89.98, now just $34.98. So go to mypillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1 800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. Jovan HuttonPulitzer.locals.com is the only place a true patriot can stay informed, free of charge, without censorship. Over 18.5 million plays, it's Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. It's absolutely a government triangulation. They are literally putting Mike Lindell in the crosshairs. They get to choose 250 ballots of their choosing. Now you have the facts and the information to educate them and to open their eyes to what really happened. Even I had no idea how dirty they play this game of censorship until I lost my social media. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit JovanHuttonPulitzer.locals.com today. I guarantee you, you will absolutely be the smartest patriot in the room. We're back. Now let's continue to fight back and take back our country by learning how to tell the politically correct to cut Cut the the crap. Here's Jovan. So, folks, what we're doing uh, on this broadcast, a little bit unique, is we are discussing a history lesson. It's very important to understand what's going on today in our society. I'm doing a review of Passover and Easter, a review from a historical uh, standpoint. Simak uh, is basically, and, and that's how you'll say that you see on your screen, Chag Samich, Samich, Chag Samich. You can say it in your Texas accent, but it's actually hawk, hawk, hawk. You got to get that in the back of your throat. Say milk, hawk, say milk. And that's how you say it. <laughs> it's not a very sexy language uh, when you slow it down, like uh, the romance languages, right? But uh, when you uh, get it and you understand that, uh, is how it works. And right now, and I'll give you an example, we're a world that's hurting. And especially our least informed, least enlightened among all of us right now are horribly confused. And it's a time in society when these people constantly scream out for attention, right? Uh, It's the person on the streets that's got the flaming mohawk and horns and pierces and all of this stuff, literally, that scream out for attention. And the reason they scream out for attention is because they're hurting. They're empty inside. And they sense that they're kind of zombified. That's what's going on. You'll see them in every faction of life. It's a, it has a lot to do with Antifa. They feel like they're lost, right? And they need attention. Uh, when it comes online, you're able to understand these people because they're the weakest among us. And that's always been the harm of society, people that operate in fear and people that are the weakest among us. They continually, continually scream out and want attention, which uh, shows just how empty, how hollow, uh, and how shallow they are. And so to close these gaps, that's why I say this is not religion, 
This is not about uh, any particular region. I'm talking about two. I'm just giving you a history. There's no uh, salvation call or anything like that. It is literally just if you don't understand what's happened and you think everything's going nuts, and even people on the left can think everything's going nuts, especially long, young people can think everything's going nuts and they're bitter and they're, they're, they're just angry. And the way they manifest their anger is they just attack out. It's kind of like a, a wounded animal. And that's kind of what's happening in society right now. And that is why um, if you understand history, you understand what's going on, right? And so how do we get this in, incredible mashup? Write this down. If you want to read some old texts, which have been translated, I always say, go back to the source, go back to how you can uh, find it. Archbishop uh, uh, Melito during the second century wrote a document that was called On the Passover. You can actually look that up. Archbishop Melito wrote it in the second century, documented the celebration of Pascal Homely uh, that revolved around uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was very, very kind of small sect, but they talked about in that time in the early Christian church about the resurrection. Otherwise, you would go to a document from 725 called the Reckoning of Time. Reckoning of Time. It was an English monk, St. Beattie, right? The Reckoning of Time. He's the one that kind of explained how this was going and how different uh, cultures at the time, Germanic cultures, uh, celebrated and how these things kind of converge. And he was talking about uh, the month of the goddess Astari, okay? And so Astari, how it works. And so you have to understand that's where it comes from. And so how is it in the the fact that you have a Christian holiday, Easter, but you're decidedly um, celebrating things that are pagan? Now, that's kind of an interesting combination there. How is it uh, that M-E-L-I-T-O, right? M-E-L-I-T-O, Melito. Um, how is it that these things got mashed up? Because they confused themselves. Now, put a pin in it right there. We live in a time where our government, our education system, and even our church in many ways, are telling us that a man can be a woman. They're telling us that a man can menstruate. They're telling us when you're born, you don't have a gender. What they've done is they've hijacked gender to mean sex, right? when gender is not sex. So I want you to understand, right now, we are dealing with a time that the definition of things are being changed directly in our face. A man can have a baby. And it is in our face right now about it. And a man can be the woman of the year. Do you understand? And so even though I'm giving you a 2,000-year-old 
lesson and some of the interpretations get mixed up as they translate. Yes. Okay. But all of our holidays, Christian holidays, follow a pagan holiday changing of the season. And it is, in fact, paganism. And so here comes the conundrum. The conundrum is if the church is against paganism, why does, in fact, the church have all this paganism mixed with it? And see, that's kind of what's happening um, today in our society. All of this, right? All of this is freaking confusion. But if you just look at it by the mere definition of what it is or what we're going through, it literally is total confusion. One word meaning something else or one organization practicing something else that is totally opposite of exactly what they say. And when you step back and look at this stuff from a historical perspective, you find out there are so many different things in all of our governments, in all of our laws, in all of our societies that in fact go totally, totally against what you know. And yes, Christmas, which we'll talk about uh, on my broadcast tonight, is in fact a pagan holiday. And you probably uh, don't understand that, but we're going to do that. And you have to understand, and I'm telling you this because we've been here before. We have been here before. We are in the midst of such a significant conflict from a society standpoint right, from a society standpoint, that I think most of you don't realize what we're confronting. And if you can understand that the Bible itself, which is, Bible's just a made-up word, by the way, and that was created in 325 AD, and then codified later, King James, you understand from a historic standpoint we are living in a time that is literally biblical. What is going on today and what we're fighting today may very well be what your grandchildren and great-grandchildren 65 generations from you removed from now, it could end up being what they read as the truth of what happened. Right? I want you to understand the gravity of that. If you're looking back 65 generations, and I think that's where Charlemagne is to me as a grandfather, when you're looking back all these generations, the difference between that time and the time as I sit here, and you're talking to somebody who has their ancestry 
all the way back to the crucifixion and before. We've, we've been here. We've done it. If y'all want to look that up, y'all can find the books on Amazon that talk about my particular legacy, which is a unique one. And that's why the filters I look at is this, is because we're literally in a battle right now between good and evil. Do you remember, uh, I, I think it was Mad Max, the movie Mad Max and Beyond Thunderdrome. Do you remember that movie? Uh, I'm going to look it up real quick. I want to I want to show you something because this will help you understand. Okay, hang on. And I think it's the movie. It's the one where Tina Turner played the uh, evil whatever, whatever. Okay. Uh, this is one of the movies I also watch during this holiday. I told you I always re-watch re uh, The Passion of the Christ. Okay. And... I always rewatch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Okay? Now, here's why I say this. And by the way, is great movie, great stuff. Um and I love Mad Max movies, right? I love Mad Max movies. And it's kind of ironic. The fellow that made Mad Max is who brought us, you know, you know, Mel get what brought Mel Gibson into being was he created the character Mad Max. That's how we all got to know him. His first movie, Mad Max, made down under, was how he became famous because it just took off, right? But it's what led to his career of making all the movies. Now, Mad Max and Beyond Thunderdome, I have to, I'm going to zoom this up for you because I want you to see it of what you should pay attention to in this movie. These kids right here, uh, there you go, pump it up and see them. If you remember in the movie, these kids, and it, I'm telling you, it's one you should watch. This is a very important movie to watch because what it is, is a, it is a post-apocalypse film. These kids that you see in this movie are the survivors of a society that destroyed themselves. <laughs> and yeah, most people like, uh, Matt, uh, uh, Master Blaster. <laughs> it's a great thing when you see that movie, but here you go. Okay. But these kids in this movie, and the reason I point this out is because I want you to think uh, future forward of what it would be like if, in fact, everything was rewritten. Okay. If everything you knew about history was left up just to only the way you interpret it. Nothing else. Only left up to the way you interpret it. Like, I'll give you an example. I could go into, if I could be shot forward time in history, I could convince historians and archaeologists 
that the reason the world died and had to start over was because this planet drowned in oil and then caught on fire. And that's what exterminated the planet. Now, I could present this case and I could make it stick. And you have to understand what's going on right now. They are rewriting history. Okay. Uh, rewatch that movie. Rewatch that movie. I'm telling you, rewatch not only The Passion of the Christ, rewatch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So let me give you an example of how this works and an example of how we forget things and an example of how history can be rewritten right under your nose and can convince you it's totally true, which is why I'm doing the Council of Nicene uh, this evening. So if, if you were to transport me a thousand years in the future and I was playing archaeologist or historian, I could present a case that the reason this planet destroyed itself is because it somehow became engulfed in oil and that oil caught fire and it killed everybody, killed everybody and everything. And that's why it had to start over. Uh, and yes, some of my favorite movies, Planet of the Apes and yes, Nova and Taylor on the beach. So let me give you an example of how this could be redone. I go and I'm speaking in front of the, uh, that would be 300 generate or 200 generations forward plus, right? Is that right? 200, what, 250, 250 generations forward. And I'm uh, now trying to convince the people in the future, I know what happened in society. And I tell them, okay, here's how it works. Here's how we figured it out. We went to a site that for some reason people gathered and it was an ancient site and they always gathered there. And there was really kind of no reason. People were just drawn to it. Think of the, think of that Mecca. You see all the people pilgriming around Mecca and when walking uh, around uh, that building, right? And you understand the basis of that one, right? Mecca, uh, you've obviously seen the stone where everybody walks around uh, Mecca and literally um, gather by the millions and millions in Mecca. Do you, do you understand what that event is? Have you ever uh, looked at history to try to understand what that particular event is. And this is how I'm tying it all together for you so you understand. If we were to look at Mecca, which you've seen, okay, you've seen millions and millions of pilgrims travel to Mecca. You have to do it once in your lifetime. And they are circulating around. If you see in the center of the screen, they are circula circulating around uh, that building. And that building uh, that they are circulating around is, is extremely important to their religion. Most have seen it. Most have no idea to understand it. Zero. Have no idea to understand it. Let me show you, because it helps me draw this analogy for you. 
is why the uh, pilgrims go to Mecca and what they're exactly doing. This is what they're doing. Now, most people have never seen this photograph at all. They have no idea what this means. Most people have never uh, visited it or understand what it is, okay, at all. Uh, it's not where they think necessarily Muhammad will arise. It is this, which is, in fact, a meteorite. And that procession around that place has everything to do with, in your lifetime, you need to go there, okay? And you need to do the walk so you can eventually come where you can touch that meteorite. There it is. That is the basis there of connecting their divine and touch that meteorite. Most people think that it has only to do with the first temple and everything else. But when you understand Mecca, Mecca, and you understand what happened, building a church, the sign at the time was to build a church over the ancient church. Remember the controversy in 9-11, where they wanted to build a mosque over where 9-11 was that Obama was pushing? Do you remember that? It's because in Muslim tradition, when you conquer, you build a church over the old church. It's why something Christian went and became Muslim. Hagia Sophia is a great example. A great example of the wailing wall. Why do people wail? Why do you go to the wall as a Jew? And why do you stand at the wailing wall? And all of this is key to what's going on now. And I'm going to show you that. Why do people in the Jewish tradition, um, hold on one second, I'm going to pull it up. Why do we uh, have a wailing wall, and why do people go there to stand at the wall and wail? I mean, what is this? What is this about people going to a wall, and uh, I, I guess you could say literally to some people as it looks, beating their heads against the wall, right? Wailing, crying. What is the significance of this? Again, all of this 100% ties to why I'm doing this and why I'm explaining what's going on and why I'm explaining what you're seeing. The wailing wall is all that is left of the temple, the great temple. Okay. And they're wailing. Uh, basically waiting for the return of the new temple. I personally believe that, in fact, uh, the United States of America is the new Jerusalem. I'll do a different show on that. But they are literally standing at this wall wailing for what happened to them, and you put prayers in that wall. You roll up your prayers, right, and you put prayers in the wall. 
And Peggy, you're actually right. In what people do not understand is when the Muslims came in and their conquering of the temple, and the second time they built what was there was the Church of the Rock. The Church of the Rock was where Abraham heard from God and was tested by God to sacrifice his son. You know the story. We don't need to go into it. Uh, and then God did it. That is where the temples were built. Most people do not know that. And when the Muslims came in and there was the destruction of the temple, they built over the, the same temple. They converted it into what's called Dome of the Rock, which they say that is where uh, Muhammad arose, right? And so it's a blending of histories. But why they're wailing is because on the other side of that wall is, in fact, the core of Jewish civilization, the very temple, all that's left, and the Muslim conquerors came in and took it over and made it their own. And so right there in the heart of the city, you are seeing a conqueror memorialized right in the city of history. And it's exactly what they wanted to do, Barack Obama wanted to do, the United States of America, in building a mosque as a tribute of peace, as they said. It's a peaceful release, it's peace. They wanted to build a mosque, right? A mosque where the buildings were, because it's a sign of conquering. And that's why you have the Dome of the Rock there. I'm telling you this because we are in the same exact times right now that were going on then. And that's why I'm trying to connect these together, because we have been here before. We have survived it, right? We have survived it, and it's made us as mankind adopt the history of overriding and rewriting things we didn't like so we could create a history that in the future we could use in many ways to control people. Now, think just to a very short few years ago going on now, why the pulling down of Confederate statues? Why the pulling down of statues of the founding fathers? Why the pulling down of Confederate flags and stuff like in the name of racism? The same way that in New York City, they wanted to build a mosque in the name of peace over where the Twin Towers went down. We'll continue right after this. <laughs> Are you following Jovan on all social media? You think this program is good at empowering you? You should get your PhD in cutting the crap by following Jovan Daily on all social media. Just find him by typing hashtag Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Hang tight, Jovan will be right back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and my pillow. During these times, your support has meant everything to us. 
So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my towels with proprietary technology, which makes them soft and absorbent. Towels that work, what a concept. They're made with USA cotton and come in a variety of awesome colors. My six-piece towel set is regularly $109.99, now just $39.99 with your promo code. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. You've lost family. You've lost friends over all of this because they said you're a conspiracy theorist. Now you have the facts and the information to educate them and to open their eyes to what's really happened. In all systems, whether it be you're going to do a public company or you're going to be audited by a bank, they ask you and your accounts to look at everything down to the penny. Why don't we do this in our election systems? And it's because the auditing is set up not to find the truth. At jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com, you will receive the truth that the left does not want you to hear. Just go to jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com right now to hear the truth. Did you know that Jovan is the only private citizen which has a full webpage dedicated to him on the Secretary of Georgia's government website? Why? Because politicians are deathly afraid of Jovan, his reach, his fans, and his calling them out publicly and telling them to cut the crap. They know Jovan empowers the people, and corrupt politicians do not want the people knowing the truth. Now, let's get back to it. I know this, uh, for some people, may be confusing to normally how you experience my broadcast in the morning. And that's why I explain to people, this is completely different than what I normally do. But since we're in a holiday weekend, and most people have all the time off from this holiday weekend, I am trying to help you understand that we've been through this and history matters. And the reality is, even though you think it's a cliche, that if you erase history, we are doomed to repeat it. And that's part of what's going on. And this is deeper in a battle that's been going on much longer than you could ever imagine. Now, I'm using um, Passover and Easter as the bridge to help you understand how all this works and how effective it can be effective it can be if you just don't understand history and yes Vicky you're right there is a big difference between stupidity and ignorance if you didn't know anything i just shared with you in a non uh, threatening way it would be just called ignorance you're ignorant of the fact doesn't mean you're a dumbass or a stupid ass or like my cousins would say, you're just freaking ignorant. Ignorant, right? Uh, you make it two, two, two syllables instead of three. Um, that is what being ignorant means. Now, stupidity is something totally different. There are people, whether they be trolls, whether they be Democrats, whether they be whatever, okay, 
that it doesn't matter what you tell them and what you show them, okay, is because they're just choosing to ignore it. They're choosing to be stupid, and you cannot fix stupid. And Gino, you've probably heard that. Don't be ignorant. I've heard that. Don't be ignorant. <laughs> but the interesting thing is we have total control as humans of changing ignorance. And it is not an insult to be ignorant, right? It's not an insult. It is just a fact. And what we have is a society predominantly that is ignorant of how things work, how things connect, what goes on, and what it really means to us right now if we don't understand. See, I believe that many of you can get traumatized, can lose your focus and faith when I discuss things that are going on behind the political scenes. When I tell you that this senator's doing this or this politician's doing this, that it can kind of crush you. Now, Connie is right. In our society, there is a long-going plan to willfully and forcefully make our children ignorant by design. Right? Ignorant by design. But when you understand it's a design, it's a plan, by not being ignorant of the plan, you understand exactly how to fight it. Because in knowing their plan, you can formulate your counter plan to understand. And that is the difference between stupidity and ignorance. And why we have to fight this intentional dumbing down of our nation because it is a long-term plan design. Bethany. Bethany says, Jenny, uh, Jovan, I will admit I can really get down, but I have to keep reminding myself that you speak daily. The only thing that gets me down in this battle that I do for election integrity and everything else, the only thing that gets me down is when I observe people who claim to be enlightened or claim to be Christian or came to be this, literally passing on ignorance and, and, and operating under the ploys, right? Operating under the ploys of giving you misinformation and therefore programming you. How many of you heard that I'm Israeli Mossad? How many of you heard that I'm CIA? How many of you heard that I'm Satan? How many of you heard I'm hung like a horse? Okay, the horse part's right, but the rest of it's not true. But uh, this is what's called apologetics, by the way. Most people, thanks, Amy. Most people, and what I'm doing right now is a course on apologetics. And it means offering the facts, not an apology for, right? 
apologetics. And that's it. Heather knows. Heather can, uh, Crystal can confirm. I sent her a photo so she knows. Okay. So this is, this is what's going on. And we, this is why you were right. We have to be wise as a serpent, cunning as a fox. Now you understand why my company logo is a fox. All of this matters. Every bit of this matters. And you have to understand the demons we're fighting. And you have to understand this tactic. And you have to understand why it feels so overwhelming is because it's spiritually delivered to them as well. Right? Spiritually, uh, they have been uh, taught that what they're doing is right. They have been taught the world's going to end in seven years or whatever. We're all going to burn up and whatever. Now, what you have to understand is there is a meaningful difference, and you're right, Terry, between blissful ignorance, most people just don't want to know, let me go, and then there's willful ignorance. And what we have to fight, Tom, you're right, like a miniature horse, I just left that out. There was no need to bust me out, Tom. I've seen yours too. It's not like you have anything to brag about. Anyway, you have to understand that this is a planned operation. This is a planned insurrection. This is a planned process. But the fact that the United States of America exists today, now I want you to understand this, this is living proof that we will win no matter what. The fact that the United States of America was founded, created, thrived, and became the great greatest country in the world for spreading capitalism, for spreading uh, everything else, Come on. Anyway, spreading this is because we will always win. And you have absolute proof in front of you that truth always wins. Freedom always wins because the United States of America exists. I've just showed you parts. You'll learn more tonight if you tune in tonight because I'm going to wrap this up. You'll learn more tonight of how this all happened to us. But when you understand it's 2,000 years in the making, and you understand we even recovered and founded this great nation, even just saying that sends chills of down my spine, right? Send chills down my spine. Trudy wants to remind us that, remember, males always measure differently. Look, my measuring's right. If you don't understand that as a footlong, it is your problem. You have been trained wrong. That is a foot. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so tonight at 7 o'clock, I will re-engage with this. So you understand how this plan happened. It's been going on for a long time, and it is all 100% about control. If you were to look at the church histories and you went back in time, you would find that the church was dealing with uh, Esobus of Cicera, a Christian historian who lived at the time in the 4th century, right? Uh, that's why they, by the way, I'll give you an example. 
in the fourth century AD? What was BC before Christ? Right? What was, what was AD after death? You know, they don't even teach that in schools anymore. It's BC or CE. It would be, or ACE. It would be before common era or after or common era. Do you understand? They even took the Christ out of the dating system in schools because it used to be before Christ, after death. Now it's CE, common era. This has been going on for a very, very long time. But we have always, always won. And we will always win, and we will always suffer, and we will always be persecuted, and we will always be trampled on. But the way to get not trampled on, Anno Domini, Domini, ah, the way to not get trampled on is to understand what went on. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I haven't read Charles Schwab's book. I should, or Klaus Schwab's book. I said Charles Schwab. How stupid. Uh, book says BC and AC, before COVID, after COVID. They'll try very hard. This is in the middle of a plan. Right? Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. And that's what it stands for, after death. Uh, Latin term. And yes, it's a common error. It. And so here we go, and I just want you to understand that, that this is, we've been here before, we've been through it, we've survived it, man can has survived, God has survived, our faith has survived, our ancestors have paid for it and fought, and I just want you to understand, we're here because literally, okay, literally, Faith wins. Now, I, Batya, very good friend of mine on, on here, and she points out that Klaus Schwab is the son of a Nazi. I want to share something with you that might shock you. I am the grandson of a Nazi. Now, in reality, for my family to stay alive in Germany, there were Jews that were allowed to serve in the SS and the ones that did it, did it to save their families. We only lost my great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother to it, and other family members. But my uh, grandfather, literally, became a Nazi to save the family. He ultimately worked for both sides and helped... Uh, bring over the German secrets, in fact, to the American side to help them finally in infiltrate and uh, be able to take Berlin, etc. So, and, and, the, and the point in that is to understand we all have histories and we are only the sum of our histories if we don't learn from it. Very few people would admit in this day and time that they are a grandson of a Nazi. I tell you that because I want you to understand, and, uh, and academia attacked me for this. I said I would have no problem 
with a statue of Hitler somewhere. I'd have no problem with it. Now, some people say, oh, he's a Nazi. Not No, no. It's because if you don't know history and you don't teach history, you're doomed to repeat it. And that symbol for the media being taken over to make a people ignorant, that symbol for you accept my way or the highway, that symbol for putting people in a group and saying they're lesser land as an excuse to exterminate them, which is what is going on exactly right now, is Hitler. And when that statue goes up, it should be with the history, and you should be able to teach it. And if there is not the teaching of history, if there are not the teaching of history, you cannot understand it. And if you don't understand it, it will be our downfall. And you're right. Statues don't kill people. People do. And we have to uh, understand this. And we have to literally teach accurate, accurate history. This is the way it is. And this is how much they have weaponized words against us. And that's why we, many of us, what is accurate history? There, there isn't a hundred percent accurate history at all. There isn't because it's manipulated or whatever. And that's why you have to go back to the old text. Now, what's the common denominator of the old text? Latin and handwritten cursive. What are two things they stopped teaching in schools? It used to be a requirement that you could read and write Latin. Why was there that requirement? Because when you could read and write Latin, you could read the old documents and understanding what was going on. So the first thing they did is they eliminated Latin because they basically said it was the language of the church. And we want nothing to do with the church. No, it has very little to do with that. It is also why they have now started or have eliminated cursive in school, right? Literally, if you can't read cursive, you can't read any of even our founding fathers' documents, which are in fact in English. It is all a ploy. It is all designed this way, and it is all to do one thing. It is to truly take us over and control us and keep us from knowing the real truth. Because if you can't read the history which they don't want you rereading history, a good sign that you're in the right state and the right stuff is, in fact, they've gone back to teaching cursive. It is how they cheap, chip away at the fiber of society. If your kids take, there's three languages you should know if you're going to teach your kids language. If you're going to teach your kids language in the modern world, it would be Chinese and it would be Spanish. Once you master those two, you can speak any language in the world. But what you should know for truth is Greek, Aramaic, and Latin, because that's how everything's there. And so this is how it works. This is how they do it. This is how they take us over. And it's out there. Latin's still spoken. Absolutely. Right? It is the language of law, ironically. And so 
that's all I want you to know. This is how we got here. And so you understand they merged these holidays together. And back then during the fourth century, there was a huge disagreement regarding Christians and Passover. Uh, there was a, uh, a fight over it, uh, a matter of fact. And people at then that time, uh, what they called the parishes of Asia, right, which just meant the, the eastern side, uh, believed that it was necessary to keep the 14th day of the moon. That's the Jewish tradition, the 14th day of the moon. The Western Orthodoxy said it was more important to keep the fast on the same day with no regard when it was supposed to occur. Meaning you choose the whatever, whatever Thursday of the month or the whatever, whatever Saturday or Sunday of the month, and that's the way it's going to be. And that subtle move of moving it from when it's supposed to be the 14th moon, which is the Jewish thousands of years tradition versus changing it to what the church orthodoxy wanted to do, move it to a set day every year and that's it. What they were able to do is disconnect history and time. And now when you could disconnect history and time, you don't have to teach the foundation. All you have to teach is that it's this Sunday or this day of every month. That's it. Get it? So you're only talking about a day. You're not talking about why is that that day. And so when you disconnect from that 14th moon, you no longer have to explain the history and the whys. And that's what's going on in our society right now. They are eliminating the histories and the whys because they don't want questions. Here it is. That's why. Here it is. That's why. And I'll tell you one little analogy here as I part and we head out. And I want to thank you for today. I know this is much longer. But I use this Easter, Christian Easter analogy to help most people understand what happened. And so there's this young girl and she has a boyfriend. We're going to say she's 17, right? And she wants to cook for her boyfriend, her his very first uh, uh, Easter dinner. She wants to bake a ham for him for Easter dinner. Okay. Uh, which is how ham also came into being because it was decidedly not Jewish and why the ham rose up as the thing to be. Whole other story. But she wants to cook a ham for her boyfriend. And so she um, tells her mom, I'm going to cook. We'll just call him Jake. I'm going to cook for Jake. I want to cook an uh, Easter dinner. I want to do it. I want to have him come over. Mom says, that's okay, great. So she says, mom, teach me how to make an Easter dinner. So the mom gets out the ham and she proceeds to score it you know, meaning cutting the scores across the top and honeying it and everything else. And she's getting ready to cook it. And then she cuts off about that much of the ham. I mean, a big ass chunk she cuts off of the ham, just lops it right off. And the daughter says, I understand, uh, uh, you know, mom, I understand how you season this way, and I understand how you uh, score the top of the ham, and it makes the little crispy rivulets, and you put the sweetener there and all of that. I understand that. But mom, why do you cut off that much of the ham? And the mother says to the daughter, well, dear, I have no idea. Uh, it's the way my mother taught me. And so what happened is, um, the grandmother still alive. The young daughter calls the grandmother and says, grandma, 
I'm cooking for my boyfriend. I'm cooking him Easter dinner. He's coming over, and I uh, want to cook for him. Mom's teaching me how to do the ham, and but she gets to the part where she cuts off the big chunk of the ham. Grandma, why did you teach mom to cut off the butt of the ham? She said she learned from you. Now, Grandma says, well, I don't know. My mother taught me to do it that way. Luckily, great-grandma's still alive. A little hard of hearing. And she calls, great-grandma! And she tells them the story of prepping it and cutting it and doing this. And I talked to mom. Mom didn't know. She said, grandma taught him. I talked to grandma. Grandma didn't know. Said, you taught it, granny. Because you got grandma and granny. Granny, you taught them to do it. And she said, granny, why do you cut off the butt of the ham? And great-granny said, because the pan was too short. Now, that is a perfect analogy I have found for many ways that we learn about things. At the time, it literally served a purpose, right? It served a purpose. And we never questioned that purpose, but because it kept on being done that way, we never questioned it, and it just kept on being done. And eventually, it became tradition. But we never questioned that tradition. Why is the tradition tradition? And that's the moral of what's going on in our lives right now and why we have to know history and why we have to uh, do certain things. Suzanne, uh, Susan, I'll give you, do you follow clean, unclean foods as a Jew? I do not. And I'll tell you why. Because in the Old Testament, clean and unclean foods, you know, cloven foot, foot, not whatever, don't eat ham, was a Jewish law. There were thousands of Jewish laws. That law was to protect people from what we now know is trichinosis, right? Which you can catch from pork products. I don't eat pork products. I could, but I don't. I love bacon. But if you go back and look in those days when we didn't understand the nature of disease and where disease came from, the easiest way was to let people know that is an unclean animal. That's what it meant. Same with shellfish. You have to understand unclean. Uh, unclean, they call it Selfish or oysters. Why? They're bottom feeders. And in that sucking up of the bottom, they can, you can get one bad oyster and you can uh, puke your guts out and it can kill you. And that's where the law came from. And it was because it was to protect people. That's why they made it law. And it was all about disease. And so no, do I uh, um, practice clean or unclean? No. Would I prefer, you know, and I, I eat shrimp, <laughs> I eat catfish, I eat crawdads, I eat oysters, right? Uh, I don't necessarily eat a lot of pork. I have no problems with them because I understand them. Now, if, I, if I'm getting things butchered, then I prefer it to be a kosher. And all that kosher means is that animal is sacrificed in a way that it's not in the midst of terror. Did you know that's what kosher means? Kosher means that if you think about a slaughterhouse and they're running these poor animals through, right? And these animals are in abject fear. 
for their lives. Their last moments on life are horrible and in fear. And they just, boop, do it the little rim shot to the head. The blood stays in the meat. And that fear and terror is technically still in the body of the animal. Which when you realize that blood is the lifeblood of all of us, and it's adrenaline and everything in it, it does change uh, the meaning and the uh, what's there, and everything's connected. And that's my when I've taught you about messages and water, everything's connected. So the 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 animal is not only in a way killed humanely or taken care of, but they are bled out, and it means it's going to let all of that bleed out with them, right? And therefore, it's kosher. Anyway, thank you for joining me today. This evening, I'm going to talk about the Council of Nicene. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, uh, lesson. And uh, there's fascinating things to learn when you learn about history. And when you learn about history, you understand mankind's been here before. You understand how uh, culture, race, and politics obliterate everything because they are taking faith in your connection to God out of it. And it's all designed to control the masses. And I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to explain to you uh, how, number one, we got the Bible, what was left out, what was not included, why it wasn't included. And the final part of this, where I basically explained to you uh, Christmas is a pagan holiday. Yes, in fact, it is a pagan holiday. I'm going to explain how that happened, and I'm going to explain some of these conundrums. And when you understand these conundrums that you can't make sense of, like a boy being a girl or a boy can have his menses, then you understand that's how history gets confused, but it is 100% agenda-driven agenda driven to control the people. That's what every bit of this is about. Thank you very much. I'll see you this evening. Bye-bye. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program. It's a movement, the right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority. And we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Bon Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week. And between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. Hey there. Think of all those people who mocked you for being a conspiracy theorist. Are you ready to become the smartest patriot in the room? Well, now's your chance to join me on Local. It's exclusive. It's a free trial membership where you can use to determine if my work, my insight, my content, and what I do to educate you to fight this fight for our country is worth it. And this is a whopping $4.16 decision since that's what the membership is with an annual subscription. Now, you have to decide if $4.16 a month is worth becoming the smartest patriot in the room. So are you willing to spend $4.16 to gain the knowledge and insight it takes to make sure your country and our way of life survives? Is $4.16 even worth being able to prove to your family, friends, and coworkers that you're not some whacked conspiracy theorist? 
It's $4.16 worth spending on your education to fight this fight, but to also know you can do it where you can share the truth and talk about the truth, so help us God, and not get banned. If you are ready to become a fact-slinging, ass-kicking warrior of truth who fights for the survival of this country, then I invite you to take me up on this offer and determine if our country, our future, and my information is worth $4.16. Now, of course, you could use that money to buy one, well, say, iced coffee from your local Starbucks, or you could even feed yourself a box of frozen pretzels. Or that same $4.16 could be used to buy a small frozen Sara Lee pound cake. Now, of course, you could use that same $4.16 to feed your brain and to pound some sense into the leftists who are leaving our country in a mess. The choice is yours. I hope you join me. Click on the link below to take advantage of this exclusive limited time offer, but you better hurry because it won't last long. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. During these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my towels with proprietary technology, which makes them soft and absorbent. Towels that work, what a concept. They're made with USA cotton and come in a variety of awesome colors. My six-piece towel set is regularly $109.99, now just $39.99 with your promo code. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. Do you think elections are safe and free from manipulation? In the 2016 general election, having to correct a ballot happened about one time per 100 ballots voted. In 2018, it doubled. Two times per 100 ballots voted. But why in 2020, in Maricopa County, Arizona, did it jump to one ballot out of just 10 ballots cast? The 2020 general election in Maricopa County, Arizona, shot to an astounding 20 to 24 times the historical average for ballot modifications. What is ballot modification? In 2020, it meant either a human or for the first time in history, artificial intelligence by a computer modified your ballot. One ballot out of every 10 ballots cast versus one ballot out of every 100 ballots cast. Shocking, we know, but why? See for yourself. Jovan Hutton Pulitzer, pioneer of full forensic audits, mounted the rally cry for audit all 50 states less than two weeks after the 2020 election. Now you can see firsthand what he was warning the world about. Our elections are broken. For the first time in American history, a full forensic audit, as innovated by Jovan Hutton Pulitzer, was conducted. And now you, the American voter, get to see what has been hidden from you all these decades. Use this Q code or the URL on your screen to download for free the world's first complete data visualization project of how every single batch of ballots was handled in Maricopa County, Arizona. 99.36% of all ballot batches were modified. 
But why? Of 10,000 easy-to-understand charts condensed into a power-packed 2,400-image package, instant download, 235,367 individual ballots changed by either man or machine after they were voted? You want answers. You demand election transparency. Now, see the truth for yourself. Download this historic data visualization project absolutely free. Scan the Q code on your screen or go to the URL below. Open your eyes. Download this historic report now. Donald J. Trump said, when is Attorney General Mark Brnovich of Arizona going to rule on all of the election fraud? We already know there is zero legal chain of custody and over 700,000 Dropbox ballots. This means they should have never been counted. But not only did they count them, they certified them. Maricopa County election officials have already illegally deleted hundreds of thousands of election-related files. What else are they hiding? Every single precinct activated old, inactive voters to the tune of at least 6% average per precinct. The worst precincts? Well, they managed to magically find an extra 10, 12, even 14% of reactivated voters. In a race declared certified by a mere 10,500 voters, 179,418 inactive and supposedly disinterested voters reactivated for 2020 alone? Yeah, right. A voter who votes is the most precious of all voters on the voter rolls, right? So why did Maricopa County, beginning the day after the election, remove 23,108 voters who had just voted? That's two times the margin of the win. What are they hiding? 2,697 of those supposed newly reactivated voters cannot be found on any other county databases. You get the picture. Virtually every single voting precinct in Maricopa County increased their voter roll purge by 200% after the election. Some precincts increased their voter roll scrubs by 500, 600, 700, 900, 1,000 percent, and even up to 1,700 percent. But that's not the worst. The most scrubbed after the election precinct scrubbed their voter rolls at an astounding rate of an increase of 4,066 percent. Now see for yourself just how bad the Maricopa election maladministration is. Use the Q code on your screen and download three interviews interlocking data visualization reports which show exactly what Maricopa County is hiding. Download these free reports now and see the out-of-control election maladministration. Use this Q code or the URL on your screen. But you know what? If we lost the election, we know when we lose. If I lost the election, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Seriously. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we got to get those routers, please. The routers. Come on, Kelly. We can get those routers. Those routers. Wow. If you got those routers, what that will show. And they don't want to give up the routers. They are fighting like hell. Why are these commissioners fighting not to give the routers? How simple could it be? That will tell the truth. And they don't want to give up the routers. What are they trying to hide? And I say it, and I'll say it, because the easiest way of cheating is to throw them away. That's easier. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. It's so ridiculous. I, I'll be honest, though. Look. 
We all like to win. If I lost this election, I could handle it pretty easily. What? Run in 24, sir. You're going to win. And I say, wait a minute. I just won six months ago. The big lie, they call it. Those trends are unproven. And knowing what happened in the election is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. Get if you think about cancel, everything about cancel culture, they want cancel culture. But what they don't want to do is anything having to do with the 2020 election. We have no press. We have no voice. They almost got away with it. They may have gotten away with it. And I've got to tell you, I've got to say this. I've never said it before, but I've always thought it. I get along with Putin because that's a good thing, not a bad thing. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we got to get those routers, please. Get up! Get up! Now listen, if you have not... 